0: And that means one thing. Well, to me, it actually means two things. My anniversary is coming up next week, so it better mean two things. But for the purposes of our conversation, it means NCAA baseball tournament time is here. The Cardinal are expected to play a starring role in this year's tournament. How far can they go? And can they finally pull down that elusive national championship one they have not won Since 1988, well, we'll be joined by one of the key players for Stanford baseball on this edition of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, presented by Believe, June 1st. 2022. Great to have you with us. I'm in Detroit Clarity, the host of the show. Thank you for being here with us. And I realize we're on an irregular posting schedule. Normally, you know, this is a football centric podcast and when we're not in football season. We come at you irregularly. I didn't expect it to be three and a half months between podcasts. My bad. But here we are. And hope we can make it up to you with some terrific content and a lot of discussion of Stanford baseball and the road ahead for the Cardinal, as they try to make Omaha for the second straight year and perhaps win a national championship this time around. Joining us later on in the show will be our special guest, Alex Williams. Pride and joy of Castro Valley, the 2022 Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year, and he has been superb through much of the season. We'll get his thoughts on... What it took for Stanford to turn it around. Late March, they were tied for last in the Pac-12. But just last week, they were hoisting up the Pac-12 tournament championship trophy. And they were winners of the Pac-12's regular season title as well. So Stanford went from tied for worst to all alone in first. How can they take that next step this postseason? And and how has Alex put it all together this season in particular as well? We'll talk about that with him a bit later on in the show. Plus, three things you need to know around Stanford Athletics. It has been a busy last couple of weeks for a couple of programs in particular. More on that in a couple of minutes or so. First, an introduction in case you're new to the show, and I I wouldn't blame you. (laughs) It's been a while since we've done this. I can't believe our last show was when we talked to David Shaw and did a one-on-one chat with him back in mid-February. I highly suggest that you would go back and uh, check out that uh, episode if you have not done so already. But I'm Troy Clarity, Pac-12 network play-by-play announcer, just wrapped up my eighth year of calling uh, now 10 different sports for the Pac-12 Network, and also Stanford Class of 1997. You hear me calling Stanford live streams for Stanford baseball, among other sports as well. And uh, this upcoming fall will be my 30th overall season of following Stanford football and Stanford sports. So I've seen a lot of stuff when it comes to the Cardinal. And uh, despite all that, can't wait to see what comes ahead. So great to have you with us. If you want to give me the follow on Twitter, I highly suggest it. I wouldn't turn it down anyway. At Clarity. At Troy Clarity. Last misspelled C L A R D Y. At Troy Clarity is the way to go. And as always, I always welcome your thoughts on the show, on Stanford Athletics. Best way to do that is also via Twitter. Hit me with the hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast. Three things you need to know right now around Stanford athletics coming up in just a moment. But first, a reminder that our partners at Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, now the NBA Finals. Warriors are in it this year. Major League Baseball, Fights, and NFL Futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan-favorite Vegas Casino and Poker Games. It's really easy to get started. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use the promo code Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Where we start... Usually is with three things you need to know around Stanford athletics. Let's begin with number one. Well, Stanford baseball hosting regionals this week. Stanford softball hosted Super Regionals last week in the NCAA softball tournament. Unseeded Cardinal went to Tuscaloosa and won the regional there a couple of weeks ago, handing Alabama its first loss in any regionals game in 15 years. And keeping the tide out of the Super Regionals, for the first time ever. Boy, what a shame. Cardinal faced Oregon State, who also went to an SEC team's house and knocked them out of the tournament as the Beavers toppled Tennessee in Knoxville. Boy, that was a real shame, too. So, two unseated Pac 12 teams met at Stanford in last weekend's Super Regionals with a trip to the Women's College World Series on the line. Smith Family Stadium was packed and electric, but Beaver fans. Walked out with more to cheer for, especially at the end on Saturday. OSU took Game One three to one, and then took Game Two two to nothing to punch its ticket to Oklahoma City. After Saturday's game in the series, the the Super Regional finale, Stanford head coach Jessica Allister told me what didn't go the Cardinals' way. We had opportunities; we got lead runners on um, earlier, but you know, opportunities there. Uh, But I think when you really look at it, the difference um, was they were able to string them together Um, and you know I think we ran into a bit of a buzzsaw with Maison. Like, in the biggest moments, she was her best. Yeah, I mean, tip of the cap to Oregon State's Mariah Maison. Uh, Long one of the best players in the Pac-12 and long one of the best players in the country that nobody really talks about, partly because she plays for Oregon State, which, quite honestly, doesn't get a lot of uh, billing, a lot of high billing, in Pac-12 softball. But Maison was just absolutely terrific. Game one through a complete game, struck out 11. Game two came on in relief in the top of the fifth with the bases loaded and one out and then struck out back-to-back batters on six pitches to preserve Oregon State's uh, 2-0 lead that it would not relinquish in that game. Now, meanwhile, grand scheme of things for Stanford, look, this season was their first time hosting the postseason in 11 years. They took the series against UCLA. They stopped the 20-game win streak that Arizona State had coming into their game against Stanford, and they won 39 games overall. After it was over, Stanford senior Kate Cressy put it all in perspective. If this year has proven anything, it's
1: that we are really freaking good and that we have endless possibilities ahead of us. Um, And our group right now is so incredible, and we have really great recruits coming in next year. So, you know, there should be zero disappointment, and there should only be hope for the future um, because we can do it, and they can do it. So while it's sad, there's so much to look forward
0: to. Very, very well said by Kate Cressy. And uh, I'll have a bit more to say on this in just a couple minutes or so. But right now, let's keep it moving on to number two. And good news for Stanford men's hoops over the weekend as Harrison Ingram announced his withdrawal from the NBA draft and his return to Stanford For his sophomore season, Ingram, of course, the Pac-12 freshman of the year, he averaged 10.5 points per game, 6.7 rebounds per game, 3 assists per game. He was the only freshman in Pac-12 action to average more than average double figures in scoring per game. He was also a top 10 finalist for the Julius Irving Small Forward of the Year Award. That's pretty cool. Any award that's named after Julius Irving, you really win some cool points uh, in my book for that. Stanford, of course, had a disappointing stretch in February last season, and that really doomed them and kept them out of the tournament. But Ingram's return means six of the top seven scorers from last year's squad will be back for next year. Plus, the card also added graduate transfer Michael Jones from Davidson. He was a lights-out shooter for the Wildcats. Uh, We tend to like hot shooters from Davidson, around these parts here in the Bay Area. Last time I checked. So can the card get the breakthrough season that Jared Haas and Stanford fans have been looking for? Well, it's June, and a lot will happen between now and when the season gets going in November, but Stanford perhaps better equipped for a breakthrough season this year than perhaps they've been in quite a while. Let's wrap up three things with number Three. three. And, hey, more championship hardware is coming to the farm. Congrats to Stanford Women's Golf for bringing the national championship back to Stanford. Cardinal knocked off Oregon on May 25th down at Greyhawk Golf Club in Scottsdale to win the big trophy. Talent-laden squad, man, led by Rose Zhang, who won an individual NCAA title earlier in the week, then got the clinching point for the card two days later to give stanford the national team championship jang with the second straight stanford uh, freshman to win a national individual title rachel heck did it last year and rose's scoring average for the season 69.68 that's an ncaa record well done kudos as well to Brooksay say and Elaine crowder with Heck and Sadie Engelman also rounding out the squad that got it done in Scottsdale. Oh, by the way, in case you're counting, and if you're a Stanford fan, chances are that you are. That's three national championships for Cardinal squads this year, joining men's gymnastics and women's water polo. Further proof that Stanford, of course, is the home of champions. It's truth and advertising, folks. Those are three things. We'll have a chat with Stanford baseball pitcher Alex Williams as the Cardinal get ready for its postseason run coming up later on this week. We'll catch up with him coming up in just a moment or so. But I want to go back to softball for a second. I was there for both games of the Super Regional, and man, what 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 an atmosphere! What an incredible atmosphere that was. And 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 whether whether you've heard me say this before or not. On this show, I've been doing this since 2015. I've been calling Stanford softball and Pac-12 softball uh, over that time frame as well. I'll say it again right here and now. If you're not on the softball bandwagon, get on it. Incredibly fun, incredibly fast-paced product, and the joy that everyone plays the game with, man, it's really so refreshing, especially in this day and age. I mean, you've got you got the, the dugouts, they're all dancing and cheering. You've got the team celebrations. You've got the you've got the student-athletes acting goofy while the coach is doing their in-game TV interview. It's fun, man. It's fun, and that's what sports are supposed to be all about. Stanford didn't advance to the Women's College World Series, but you know what? UCLA, Arizona, and Oregon State did out of the Pac-12. UCLA, of course, is UCLA. They need no introduction. Big fan of that program and what it has done over over, over for, for decades. I was actually down in a Tempe a few weeks ago, and UCLA was there uh, facing Arizona State in softball. And every time I'm watching in the UCLA softball game in person when the Bruins were at the bat, I'm looking in that first-base coach's box and going, wow, that's Lisa Fernandez over there, man. That, that's the GOAT. <laughs> She's the GOAT. And UCLA needs no introduction in this sport. But Oregon State tied for sixth in Pac-12 play this season. Arizona finished tied for last in league play. Yet those two teams are going to the Women's College World Series. What does that say about Pac-12 softball? I asked Stanford head coach Jessica Alistair for her thoughts on that after Saturday's game. The top to the bottom, like the margins were tiny. And if you followed the season all year, um, I mean, you could see that there were, you know, upsets and series going the way you didn't think they were going to go. But and it's a good freaking conference. It's the best conference in the country. And there's nowhere to hide. So there's not like a clump at the top. And then you get to rest against everybody else. There's nowhere to hide. Like you just said. Six and nine are going to the World Series, and we know that.
1: Um,
0: but it's the best softball conference in the country, but I've always known that. Yeah, yep, exactly. It's Jessica Allister. And, and yeah, it would have been great if Arizona State, who won the Pac-12 championship, had found a way to, to get by Northwestern. But still, the Pac-12 with three-eighths of the field in Oklahoma City. We'll still take that, right? Would have been nice if it had been four, but you know what? We'll still take three out of eight. Um, By the way, the SEC put 12 teams in the tournament. 12! A reminder that 13 teams play SEC softball, by the way, and 12 of them made the NCAA tournament. But of those 12 teams, of that SEC-laden tournament field, only one of them made it to the Women's College World Series. As the Florida Gators Boy, they just... Hounded Virginia Tech in that super regional final, but but Florida, the only team out of twelve SEC squads, to advance to the Women's College World Series, and no ACC teams made it in. Big Twelve has three in, and it has the best team in the field. Oklahoma has just mashed everyone. That's going to be a tall, tall task for anyone and everyone else. In that field in Oklahoma City. But I watched the selection show a couple weeks ago and I heard a lot of kisses being blown towards the SEC and the ACC that day. But you know what? Once again, the Pac-12 takes what the committee gives it and ends up sending more teams to Oklahoma City than just about anyone else. Would have been nice if one of those teams had been Stanford. But, and you heard, Kate Cressy, the sound from her earlier when we were doing three things, you heard her thoughts, man. Apparently they've got a, a terrific rec- 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 recruiting class coming in. They've got a lot of production uh, staying for next year as well. Jessica Allister. And you knew that once she became the Cardinal head coach, you knew that right away things were going to turn around. This, this program means far too much to her for it not to, right? Former player. You know, Jessica Mendoza, I had her on the show on the Tree Cast last year, last of February of 2021, and we talked at length about that. But you knew once Jessica Allister took the reins of the program that things were going to turn around and turn around quickly, and they have. And disappointing end, bats just didn't show up against the Beavers. But overall, grand scheme of things, I like Stanford and where they could be sitting in Pac-12 softball, for the next few years to come for the foreseeable future looking forward to it kudos once again to stanford softball and looking forward to seeing many more postseason games with my own eyes at smith family softball stadium well we're coming up on one of my absolute favorite times of year the ncaa baseball tournament selection monday of course this week Stanford, the number two overall seed. They will be hosting Binghamton, Texas State, and UC Santa Barbara, one of the more intriguing regionals out there of the 16 sites this upcoming weekend. Of course, the Cardinal, as mentioned, the number two seed, may be a big favorite to, of course, make it to Omaha and maybe do a little more. One of the key players who will be tasked in making that happen, fantastic pitcher for the Cardinal, the senior from Castro Valley, a candidate for the senior class award. And Oh, by the way, he is the pac 12 pitcher of the year. Pleasure to welcome into the tree cast, Alex Williams, Alex, thanks a so bunch for talking to us today. How you of course, doing? Thanks for having me. You, you bet. Thanks a bunch for, for jumping on here. And uh, you guys finally got back from the Pac-12 tournament on Monday. A long week, but a shorter week certainly than a lot of the other teams oh, that were there in Scottsdale last week. Uh, Stanford ended up winning the whole thing at the very end of it all. Your big takeaways from Stanford's experience and results at the Pac-12 tournament last week.
1: Yeah, last week uh, I think what we saw is a couple of things. I think one, we saw that our offense is just firing on all cylinders. I mean, we were able to put the ball hit and play, hit it hard. We hit, what, nine home runs in four games, I think, or something like that. Um, So just to see guys coming together and hitting the ball really well is great to see us moving forward in playoffs, but also uh, it definitely showed our depth. I think one thing that kind of got exposed in the Pac-12 tournament is the lack of depth that some teams had, and you saw a game kind of spiral out of control, turn into 15 to 20 run games, whereas we didn't necessarily have that happen to us. I feel like our depth was a lot better than other teams, and uh, that's what helped us out.
0: Yeah, did, did you see that Oregon State-UCLA game at all as, as, as that was unfolding? That was just bonkers stuff.
1: That was the craziest game I've ever watched in my life, by far. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Down by nine, going into the bottom of the ninth inning, they come back tie it, and then win it in the bottom of the tenth. Just incredible stuff. Uh, I mean, well, uh, we're, we're, was the team, like, group texting each other going, hey, man, check this out, what's going on here? Yeah,
1: when, uh, when the ninth inning happened, I actually saw the score, and I was like, oh, it's over. And then I went and got some food, and I looked, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this isn't over. And the whole team chat is exploding, talking about what's going on. And we <laughs> started to kind of root for UCLA just to kind of see if something crazy happened, and obviously something crazy did happen. So that was, that was a really cool thing to witness, and our team was all over it.
0: Certainly did. That was a lot of fun to watch, but nothing, of course, is much fun. From a Stanford perspective is watching you guys get it done, knocking off Oregon State in Sunday's championship game, Overall, when you look at this season, for you individually, as mentioned, you're the Pac-12 pitcher of the year. That's pretty cool. A lot of lofty company has won that award in this conference over the years. What does winning that award mean to you, and what did it take to get it done in that category?
1: Yeah, uh, to me, it it means a lot just because I feel like, I know, watching Brennan Beck do what he did last year, and he was able to win the award, I kind of came into my senior year thinking... Uh, you know why not me it might might be an opportunity to kind of step up and i've kind of been in Brennan's shoot uh, like behind him a little bit for the last few years and so i was excited to kind of step up and be that guy for our team and um realistically like i just to try to do the best i can every day i think i'm just a competitor true at heart um i tried to go out there and give my chance a team to uh, my team a chance to win as much as i can um and obviously being able to throw up zeros especially for that long stretch for me was uh was huge and um, like I said, I just kind of keep every day the same, try to attack each game and just love competing and love winning. And um, I think the rest kind of took care of itself. So I wouldn't say I was going for the award at the end there. I was personally, I actually thought I was going to, Jerpy was going to get it about halfway through the season. I'm like, oh, well, I have no chance, so the pressure's off. Um, and then when the pressure was off, I guess I just kind of kept going. He got a little, little rusty at the end, but that's OK.
0: Yeah, and certainly that 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 amazing streak that went that you went through the final few weeks of the regular season, helping to lead up uh, to uh, getting getting the award uh, before the Pac-12 tournament started. And if I had to describe two words your, your style in two words to me anyway, it would be emotion and efficiency. When you're on, you're working quickly. And when you're on and when you're striking guys out, you're not afraid to give them a little bit of a fist pump on your way off the mound. Yeah. Emotional efficiency How big of a part do those things play in your game?
1: I mean, they're big time. Um, I think I'm definitely not afraid to let my emotions come out. Uh, I think one thing I've learned uh, pitching over the years is that like I need to know who I am and who I need to be. I don't need to be like anybody else. And every pitcher is different. And for me, I got to get a little fiery. I got to get a little emotional. Um, and and be energetic and at the end of the day like that's just who i am when i compete and um i mean it gets me through when I, I don't know if you notice but when i come out kind of flat or calm that's when i usually have my worst stuff i'm not as efficient like you said um and so for me it's just kind of who i am and who i need to be to compete and then as far as efficiency i mean realistically i i know i'm not the biggest strikeout guy so what i just try to do is get in there pound the zone and get out as quick as possible and hope that i can go the distance and I give my my team the best chance to win, and realistically, I think just being out there throwing a lot of strikes helps me do that.
0: Yeah, yeah that, that USC game, that USC start you had a couple weeks ago, you put in forty minutes of mound time into yeah. a complete game anyway. That's nuts. <laughs>
1: yeah, that was that was a crazy one for sure. I think perks of that team, they just the, the the scouting report on me has to be that I throw a lot of strikes. As the year has gone on, I've seen teams swing more and more and more. And I'm just like the, the scouting report is is definitely changing on me, which is fine by me. It's been working in my favor recently, but uh, I'm, I'm sure teams have their different tactics and that's what has been going on recently.
0: How different of a pitcher are you from day one walking onto campus, walking into this program, your first practice? How different of a pitcher are you or have you become since then?
1: You're talking day one freshman year or day one this year?
0: Day one freshman year, the very day one beginning. freshman year.
1: Oh man, I think day one freshman year, I just, I just showed up and wanted to do my part. Really, I just wanted to fit in where I could. Uh, I started off on. I knew I was going to be the Tuesday guy in my freshman year, and just wanted to do whatever I could to just help the team. And if I didn't play, totally fine. If I did, awesome. Um, and this year, I think the biggest change that I've had is I feel very responsible for the pitching staff. Um, I feel like I, I am the leader. I've been put in the situation where I need to. Show the younger guys what it looks like to go out and compete and also what it looks like to be successful and a competitor and not necessarily successful on the field, but also off the field. Um, I think learning how to handle adversity is something that I need to grow into um, because I feel like guys look up to me now. Um, Before, I didn't have that pressure of needing to look right for the other guys. I just needed to be me and uh, I didn't handle adversity well. Um, When hard times came, they kind of kept falling over to the next outing whereas now um, I can't let that stuff affect me because I know that the guys below me need to learn from it. Um, so the biggest thing I've learned is just, honestly, just maturity and knowing that uh, I need to set a good example for the guys below me.
0: Yeah, early in your Stanford career, you played a uh, summer ball with the PUFC Caps, and, yeah, uh, sure. and and there, apparently, you learned to respect every hitter but fear nobody. Exactly. How much does that mean to you?
1: Oh, it's huge. I mean, I still struggle with that. I don't know if you noticed, but like early on in my career here at Stanford, it was hard. Um, I mean, respecting everyone, fear nobody. It's like, I know that I'm coming up against a lot of big name guys, a lot of big schools, big talents. And I remember my freshman year, I pitched against UCLA and they were the one seed and we were the two seed at the time. And I came into the game and I was like, wow, these guys are good. They're good. And I feared them a little bit and I ended up pitching horrendous. Um, And so it's still been a learning process for me, but as I've, That's definitely something I've learned and grown into is we're all just baseball players. You got to respect them and know that they're good enough to beat you any day. But you got to tell yourself not today. I don't fear you. I don't fear anybody. Um, And yes, you are a good baseball player, but I'm going to go out there and attack you and and give you my best stuff. And at the end of the day, like you're going to fear me afterwards. So uh, I'm I'm no longer in a situation where I'm fearing anybody, fortunately. (laughs) And I think it's been working so far.
0: You, you mentioned your your position as the leader of this pitching staff and a couple of guys in particular uh, that I'd like to focus on here for a moment or so. Maybe one of the key moments of the season was Quinn Matthews taking a bit more of a bullpen role, a, role, a, back, a back end role. And Brayden Montgomery, the freshman of the year, more so for what he's done in the field and at the plate, but certainly a lot of things that he can potentially do on the mound as well by the time it's all said and done. Uh, how big of a factor have Matthews and Montgomery been in, in how this team has gone so far this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, Quinn Matthews, in my opinion, has kind of shaped our pitching staff all season. I mean, he's been dominant from day one. Um, I can't think of an outing where he had a bad outing. I really can't. Um, the guy's been lights out and – for me, like, I'm just super proud of him to be able to say, like, I'm going to step back and go into the bullpen now when the coaches asked him to. I mean, he was a starter. He was being, being successful, doing everything he needed to do, and the coaches were like, hey, we're going to throw you in the pen. Easily could have been emotional, easily could have been upset, and like, I don't want to do that. I want to I start, but realistically, he did what the team needed, and I think since he's been in the pen, we're on a 16-game win streak now. So since he was full-time Penn, we haven't lost a game. And so just him being like willing to do that just shows the, the teammate that he is. And uh, I'm super proud of him for doing that. Because realistically, you could say it hurts his draft stock. You could it, it could do a lot of things, but he doesn't care. He just wants to do what the team needs. So I'm super proud of him for that. Um, as far as Montgomery goes, uh, that guy's a special talent. He just really is. He's the best baseball player I've ever seen. Um, I'm, I'm super, super excited to watch him the next few years here. And I think Stanford's blessed to have him. Um, Obviously, we've seen what he could do with the bat and in right field and with the arm. Um, What we really haven't seen, which I have seen, I mean, that guy can pitch. Uh, I've seen it. We've seen little spurts of it. Um, It's just right now he's struggling to find consistency with that, but he's been growing all season and his last few outings have been phenomenal. And I think towards the end of the season, I'm I'm hoping he gets an opportunity here in the playoffs to show what he could do. But I mean, over the course of these next few years, the guy is special. And I think he's been putting in his hours, putting in his work. And as, as he matures, he's, he's going to come out of here being a phenomenal pitcher. I would not be surprised if he becomes the next Otani. I really would not be.
0: I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, That throw from right on on Saturday. (laughs) I watched that thing at least 50, 60 times. Mm -hmm. That was just nuts. I've never, I go back to Joe Borchard. you know, Mm -hmm. other folks go back to John Elway, man. That was one of it wasn't even for an out really. Exactly, <laughs> that one of the greatest plays I've ever seen. Exactly, Stanford baseball uniform just nuts. Looking forward to seeing what LT can do, as well yeah. as the rest of the Stanford uh, squad and the pitching staff. And you know, this is a team that has postseason experience. You know, the twenty twenty one squad still was a bit on the young side for the most part, but ended up going to Omaha and doing pretty well there. How does last year's postseason experience winning regionals, going on the road to Lubbock, winning supers and and having the experience that y'all did in Omaha last year? How could that experience potentially set the table for this year's postseason?
1: Yeah, I think uh, definitely we just we, we, we know what we want to get. We know where we want to go. We know what team we are, what we're capable of. And so for us, it just really I mean, the end goal is Omaha. The end goal is to win it all. Uh, I think last year being able to have that experience showed us like, okay, like we are good enough to go on the road and beat Texas tech and beat them handily. Like if we're that good back then, this year we're more talented. Imagine who we can go up against anywhere. Um, so, I mean, we're at the point in our season where, uh, at the beginning it was a little shaky. We we're trying to figure some things out, but I mean, right now we, we have a lot of confidence to us. We know where we want to go. And, uh, the end goal is getting back up there and hopefully plan, plan for that ship. Um, and so just having that experience last year was amazing, but it also made us a little hungry because we didn't go out the way we wanted to last year. Now you could you could ask anybody who was there last year. I mean, that was a very hard way to go down. And so the second we lost that game, everybody was like, all right, I can't wait to get back there next year because we're going to do some damage. Um, so I think we're a little hungry. We're a little, we're a little excited and uh, we know what it's like to get there and hopefully things just roll our way next time. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for these next few weeks and we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, let's go back to March 25th for a brief second or so. That was the day that Stanford entered the series against Washington State, tied for last with the Cougs in the Pac-12. What was the sense among the team that day, and what did it take to turn the whole thing around?
1: Yeah, I mean, that was, we were in time for last We following getting swept by University of Arizona. Um, After that series, we were all at the hotel and everybody was, what is going on? we are way too good to be playing like this. We're way too talented to lose these games. And it just felt like, it felt like we were just holding on too tight. Like we were expecting so much. And like, we kind of let the expectations of our team really kind of dictate who we were instead of just playing our game. Um, And so we actually called a team meeting after we got swept, uh, had a team meeting. um, What didn't involve the coaches. It was just, we just talked amongst each other and we just was like, hey, to be the team that we want to be we need to go back to last year, meaning like in the 2021 season, there was no expectations. Everybody was against, it was us against the world kind of the thing. And then for us, it, it was um, realistically, we shattered all expectations of ourselves. Uh, everybody was like, wow, these guys aren't as good as they say they are. And so for us, it was like, all right, let's go prove everybody wrong now. Like, I'm tired of just expecting to be good. We can't wake up and expect to be the better team. You got to go out and you got to compete, you got to win. And so we just had a little shift of really, Just saying, like, all right, we got to earn it. We got to prove it. Let's go do it. Let's have some fun. Um, And things just started to click from there. And uh, at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing that we needed to happen, uh, I mean, Brock Jones just turned it around. That guy's been the leader of the team forever. Um, And even when we were losing, um, I was saying as soon as Brock gets going, and he will get going, um, we're going to get things going. So uh, just watching the way that he's matured and grown through this season. uh, As you could tell, when Brock goes, everybody goes. That's what I've always said. Uh, Not to put any pressure on that guy, but uh, uh, I I think he knows that he's the leader of the team. And, uh, I mean, I do love and appreciate that guy and what he's done for this program.
0: Yeah, it's just too bad that Brock just doesn't seem to have the personality to handle pressure. He doesn't (laughs) seem to have any fun playing ball or being around the team. It's just really unfortunate. No, he does does a phenomenal job, (laughs) better than
1: anybody. I love it. I love it. He, He takes it all in, enjoys it, but also stays humble and works hard. And he's the best teammate anyone could ask for.
0: All right, let's wrap it up on this. Um, keys to success for Stanford in the postseason. What is it going to take for the Cardinal to get out of the suit, get out of the regionals, get out of the supers? And hey, who knows? Be hoisting and holding up the big trophy at the very end of it all.
1: Um, I'll say two things. I think um, one, you got to stay hungry. I think complacency is is dangerous. That's where we were at the beginning of the season. We can't just assume that we won 16 straight that we're just going to roll into our regional and walk through it or just because we made it to omaha last year we're just going to walk our way to omaha and it's not how baseball is baseball is unfair sometimes so i think complacency uh, we can't get rid of that we got to stay hungry stay focused and know what the end goal is and attack each day aggressively um and i think the second thing is just keep having fun i mean the way we're playing right now we're, we're enjoying each other we're having a lot of fun our team is close we're loving each other um and when baseball is fun it comes very very easy just the hits seem to be falling. The the balls just seem to be getting caught. Um, when we're holding on tight and we're nervous and we're we're not really enjoying the game of baseball, that's when things just kind of get out of out of control and we're like, "What just happened?" So I think have fun, um, but also stay stay aggressive and uh, enjoy the moment. Yeah,
0: have fun. Stay aggressive and enjoy the moment. Seems like that could apply to a lot of other things besides just baseball. But for, for the purposes of this conversation, certainly should apply to Stanford going forward as they begin their postseason run this Friday afternoon the 1 p.m. start in the regional opener against Binghamton with Texas State and UCSB also in the building. Alex, thanks a bunch. Really appreciate the time. Really enjoyed the chat. Enjoy watching your pitch. Can't wait to see more of what you and the rest of the squad can do in the weeks ahead. Appreciate the time. Best of luck. Stay safe, stay healthy. And we'll talk again soon.
1: Of course. Thank you, Troy. All
0: right. Thanks again to Alex Williams for joining us on the show. Really appreciate uh, his time. Really really enjoyed that chat. And uh, yeah, I mean, you think back to where, You think back to where Stanford baseball was on March the 25th, 1-5 and in Pac-12 play, tied for last with Washington State, whom they were facing uh, to begin the series that day on March 25th, and even if you want to extend it even further into the day, when Alex Williams got the start that day on March 25th, and that was actually the shortest outing of his season to this point, just went in two-thirds, gave up six earned runs to Washington State. But Stanford somehow came back and won that one 8-7 to seven, as part of a get-right weekend for Stanford that week. And then they took two out of three up in Corvallis the week after that. So to come from that, to see what Stanford has done since then, and to see what Williams has done since then. I mean, since that start against Washington State, in which he got pulled after an inning and two-thirds, his next eight starts, 59 and two-thirds innings pitched. And just three earned runs during that span. Fantastic stuff, as uh, as Williams really gained a lot of momentum. And you know he even admitted himself maybe won the Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year award based on how he did uh, the final six to eight weeks of the regular season heading into the Pac-12 tournament. And uh, don't forget, Alex has had some pretty good success in postseason situations before. Think back to last year's run for Stanford throughout the postseason. Williams last year, 3-0 with a 2.11 ERA. Struck out 23 batters in 21 in the third innings pitch. So certainly some fantastic performances for him in last year's preseason. I'm sure Stanford will be counting on more of the same, if not maybe even a little better, in this year's postseason. Should be fun. Stanford started from the bottom on March 25th, and now they're here in the NCAA regionals. Pac-12 champions, the number two national seed, and winners of 16 in a row, and probably the hottest team in college baseball right now. I mean, a lot of the national baseball talking heads are are talking about Tennessee, and rightfully so, what a season they've had to this point. But Stanford right there right now for hotness, I guess in a sense, as we speak here in early June. Another thing that amazes me about what stanford baseball has done this year i mean look you 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 know the names of many of these squads you knew many you knew many of them uh coming into this year with alex williams and brock jones uh drew bowser uh adam crampton who was named pac-12 defensive player of the year by the way and of course of course david esker who was named pac-12 coach of the year for this season congratulations to him on that but when you looked at Stanford, and whom they were trotting out there in the starting lineup at the, in February, you looked at all the familiar names, but there was one you saw, wait, Carter Graham? Who's that? He's taking over at first base? Who is he? Graham only played eight games in the 2021 season. And really, you know, wasn't that much of a factor in Stanford's run to Omaha in 2021. So now he gets shoved into the pool, so to speak, in 2022. What does he do? Leads the team in home runs with 20. Leads the team in RBI with 70. Hitting 342. Slugging 667. Tied for the team lead with Brock Jones. So, all sorts of things falling into place for Stanford of late. Regular season is great. It's been cool to watch the last two months. Can they keep it going the next few weeks? We'll start to find out on Friday, 1 p.m., first pitch at sunken diamond look sunken is a special place to be anyway but it's even more special when it's regionals and super regionals time so looking forward to being in the building i hope you are too when stanford hosts binghamton and then it's also texas state and uc santa barbara two teams with very impressive records coming in ucsb well like 43 and 12 or something like that uh, but they won the Big West going away. I mean, unfortunately, the Big West isn't quite the same league that it has been uh, over the years. So you, know, you can, you know, congrats to UCSB. You still have to win those games. I'm kind of questioning how good they really and truly are. Are they dangerous? Yes, they are. So this should be interesting between the Cardinal, the Gauchos in particular, and even Texas State capable of some things as well. But our thanks again to Alex Williams for spending time with us here on the TreeCast. You have thoughts, you have reactions, I always welcome them. Hashtag TreeCast via Twitter, hashtag TreeCast. You can also give me the follow, at TroyClarity. And again, you know, we come at you regularly during the football season, we have anyway, but irregularly outside of football season. So our next TreeCast, well... I'm pretty sure it won't be three and a half months from now <laughs> because that'll put us in when mid September <laughs> and we'll be a couple games into the Stanford football season by then. So I, I, I kind of doubt that it's going to be three and a half months until the next tree cast comes your way. Maybe we're doing an Omaha edition in a couple of weeks. Who knows? We'll find out, but it's always a great time to subscribe to the show via your favorite listening app Google Podcasts, or Google Play, rather, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, iTunes TuneIn, um, iHeart. Uh, we all got you covered. No matter which way you want to go, the TreeCast is there. And we're glad to have you with us. Looking forward to the next time that we get a chance to chat with you. Special thanks once again to our guest, Stanford baseball pitcher. I'm sorry. Excuse me. <clears throat> 2022 Pac-12 pitcher of the year, <laughs> Alex Williams. Put some respect on his name. But special thanks again to Alex Williams for joining us on the show. And special thanks, of course, most of all to you for being a part of the program. Don't drink and drive if you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Plain and simple. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, and we'll talk to you next time on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network.